Let's pray. Oh Lord, we ask for your wisdom and your help as we consider this uh, passage of Scripture, uh, as we um, consider your wisdom to us, make us more like Jesus Christ through your powerful gospel, we ask in his name, amen. So I have five fingers on my hand, not counting my thumb. I've got four. So if I'm, and, if, and the reason I say that, if I make a fist, my thumb is pointing down. Now, if I point at you, it means three fingers are pointing back at me. Uh, some of you undoubtedly have already figured out what I'm getting at. This is going to be one of those sermons where it might feel as if I am pointing fingers at you. So I want you to know that I preached this sermon first to me because I needed to hear it. Before we dig into the difficult parts of this sermon on anger, I want to point out that it's not always sinful to be angry. Sin and evil are in the world. Anger is an inevitable response to living in a sinful world where unrighteousness and evil not only exist, but also abound. In fact, we have a duty to be angry at times. Look at the first two words in verse 26. It says, be angry. In the uh, Greek syntax, This is an imperative. It means it is a command. God is commanding his people to be angry. So what what I think is happening here is we are told not to be indifferent or unmoved by prevailing evil. We must cultivate an indignation toward evil, lest we accept evil as the normal way of life. But even as we cultivate an indignation toward evil, we must also always be ready and eager to forgive. God has placed the emotion of anger in us. He did it when he created us in his image. And since the fall... Anger is a way for us to express that something is not right and that it matters. We cannot simply shut our eyes and our consciences to the sin and the evil in our world. In fact, our Lord Jesus gets angry at things in the world that are wrong. In Mark chapter 3 verse 5, we read, And Jesus looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored, and the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. I believe that Jesus was not just angry secretly down in his heart. I believe 
that he expressed his anger toward the, the Pharisees. Uh, that's why they went out and immediately began to plan how to destroy him. So God has given us the capacity, he has given us the right, even the duty to be angry. But when we express our anger, we are not to sin. So look again at the passage, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Now sadly, because of the reality of mankind's fall into sin, because of the reality that all of us are fallen creatures, the overwhelming expressions of anger that, are, that we express, and certainly that the world expresses, are sinful expressions of anger. Sin turned everything that was good upside down. Instead of being indignant at wrongs, most of the time we're angry um, because we're not getting our way. Or even if we have a right to be angry at someone, we express that anger wrongfully, sinfully, hating and despising that person. Instead of reflecting the image of God, what we end up doing is reflecting the image of Satan, where we misuse the emotion of anger. When you blow up, when you get irritated, when you complain, when you hold a grudge, when you seek to get even, when you shut down and refuse to be reconciled, when you become embittered or cynical, you are reflecting the image of Satan. Even if by all rights you have a godly reason to be angry. And for those of you who have a long, wet fuse, who take a long time to get angry, or only express your anger in a muted or in a quiet manner, because you don't like confrontation, you too can embody the image of Satan in your anger as much as that person who has a short fuse and a raging anger. Like I said at the beginning of the sermon, when I point a finger, I've got three pointed back at me. Why are we so given to ungodly anger? Well, James chapter 4 gets right to the heart of the issue. James 4, verses 1 and 2. James says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. The Bible consistently says that sinful anger is not caused by things outside of us, but rather, it starts inside us, not as an impersonal force that's just in us, but rather, it starts inside us in our desires. It is a moral force within us that is being used, that we are using for evil. I want my way. 
so I rage when I don't get it. Do you know anyone who uses their anger to manipulate people? They express such rage that it is easier for others to cater to their wishes rather than confront their fury. James gives us another motive for ungodly anger. And and, uh, again, in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, he says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver. And judge, he who is able to save and destroy. In other words, God is the only lawgiver and judge. And then James asked, But who are you to judge your neighbor? James is saying that when you express anger, uh, ungodly anger, speaking evil against uh, someone else, you're stepping into God's place. You are acting as if you are in charge of the world and that you have the right to judge everybody else around you. Even if you have been wronged by another and you rage at them, you are acting as judge and executioner. James says you commit murder in your heart, reflecting the words of our Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you are angry at your circumstances or at your situation, then who are you judging? You're judging God himself. This brings us to the nub of the issue. When you express express anger, whether godly anger or ungodly anger, it's not just about you. Nor is it just about your circumstances. Nor is it about the person with whom you are angry or the persons with whom you are angry. It is also about the living God. It is always about God because He is a sovereign God. He always is involved in everything in our lives because He is in control of all things. Because God is involved then I want to urge you to slow down and to consider the spiritual aspects of your anger when it starts welling up within you to express ungodly anger. Consider that God is involved. Consider that Jesus Christ came not just to forgive us, but also to remake us into his image. You are a new creation in Christ. So don't act like the old, unconverted you, I think Paul is telling us here in this passage. God has given you his all-powerful spirit to help you to love your neighbor, to help you to be slow to anger, to help you to be not easily provoked, to paraphrase, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love is not easily provoked, Paul tells us. He's given us his all-powerful spirit to help you trust God even when your desires inside you 
are pressing you towards rage. God is involved, powerfully involved, graciously involved. So slow down and consider God in the moment. Remember that God is patient with you. Remember that God is merciful toward you. Remember that God is forgiving toward you when you're being tempted towards anger, especially anger towards someone else. And also, slow down and consider the cross of Christ. Ponder how Christ left the glory of heaven to come here to earth to die for you on the cross. Reflect on his love for you that motivated him to take your sin, to take your unrighteousness upon himself, to suffer the wrath of God in your stead. Contemplate his sufferings that he endured to purchase your salvation. Well, when you do that, it's like a wet blanket on your hot anger. Spurgeon said, may we reflect on the wounds of Jesus until they wound our sins to death. But don't stop there. Also, consider what your anger says about you. It is spiritually healthy to open your eyes wide to the reality of your sin. When you see yourself as a sinner, it's then and it's only then that God's grace and mercy is available to you. If you don't see yourself as a sin, you got your hands closed to God's grace. Open your hands, open your heart, open your soul to believe what God's word says. Open your hands, open your eyes, open your soul uh, to see who you really are and what your desires are really saying about um, about uh, your heart and what's going on in your heart. Think about how the expression of ungodly anger reveals the depths of your self-centeredness or how merciless your anger is towards others and how many times you wish others would have shown you mercy when they were angry at you. This leads to our second point and the second point will be brief. Look again at verse 26, particularly at the second verse. I'll give us a run and start and start at the beginning. Be angry and do not sin and then this is the second part. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Paul is saying more than don't go to sleep uh, or, or don't go to bed angry, don't go to sleep angry. He's saying more than that. He is saying that you must not let your anger persist in your heart. When you let your anger settle down into your heart, anger turns into what? It turns into bitterness. And your, your anger then becomes a part of you. Bitterness is the nurturing of anger. 
It turns into hatred, which Jesus likens to murder in the Sermon on the Mount. Anger that you allow to persist in your life creates division between you and the object of your anger. You know, I've seen it destroy uh, friendships. I've seen it wreck families. I've seen it devastate marriages. Jesus says, don't let, or uh, uh, Paul, reflecting Jesus, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let it persist in your heart. Let me remind you what Jesus said. Um... He said that we should urgently seek reconciliation rather than nurturing anger. In Matthew chapter 5, this Sermon on the Mount, verses 23 and 24, he said, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying that anger is so damaging that we should delay our devotion to God to make sure we are putting away our anger toward the person uh, with whom we are in conflict. Jesus knows that cultivating and persisting in anger brings a cost. Nurturing anger, even for a day makes the reconciliation that much more difficult. Let's say you're angry at a parent or a spouse. If you decide to let your anger burn against them for a period of time in order to punish them, you are making the road toward reconciliation that much more difficult. You're also making it longer. You're building in distrust in your relationship. Uh, You're likely also uh, building in bitterness in the other person toward you. So, you are also decreasing the likelihood of reconciliation. There's a cost in letting your anger persist, and it is potentially Utterly devastating. So this brings us to our final point. Because all that um, we've said about anger in this sermon, don't give the devil a foothold with respect to your anger. Look at verse 27. And give no opportunity to the devil. When you nurture anger in your life, you are opening up the door of your soul to the devil himself. Look at verse 31. Basically what Paul is saying is that unrepentant anger gives the devil a playground within you, inside you. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Is that the way any of you want to live? Is that the way you want to treat other people? You know who receives the brunt of the most of our raging anger? Those who are closest to us. And I plead with you 
Don't give the devil a foothold in your marriage. Don't give the devil a foothold in your family. Don't give the devil a foothold in your neighborhood. Don't give the devil a foothold in your workplace. Don't give the devil a foothold in your church. Now, as we bring this sermon to a conclusion... Maybe your anger has already caused enormous damage in your marriage, your family, or your relationships. Where's the hope? Is there any hope? There's great hope. I would tell you, if your anger has damaged relationships, go and seek forgiveness. Because the devil will not have the last word when God is involved. Seeking forgiveness can be very difficult because it wounds our pride so deeply. But it can be very powerful when God's glory is the motivating factor. They may or may not forgive you when you go and seek forgiveness. They may be slow to forgive you, but seeking forgiveness is always the best step forward. Maybe you've been wounded by someone else's anger. I urge you to be forgiven, to to be forgiving, to be uh, eager to forgive. Look at verse 32. Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's worth reading those last two phrases again. Forgiving one another. How? As God in Christ has forgiven you. How do you deal with anger in your life? Well, first of all, as I've already said, uh, remember that God is present and involved in everything. He's involved in your anger, whether it is private between you and another person, whether it is secret within your own soul. He's involved. Therefore, go to him. Go to him for help. Be honest uh, with yourself before God. As King David prayed in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Go to God. Seek Him. Interact with Him daily in prayer about your anger. It may mean that you have to to pull out uh, a piece of paper and a pen and a concordance and write down scriptures about anger or about forgiveness or about being kind-hearted and, and uh, caring and just journal and journal away and pray to God as you journal. Go to Him daily about this issue. You know what? He loves you. And He desires to make you more and more into the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. He desires for you to be more like Jesus than you desire to be more like Jesus. And finally, 
uh, was reflecting on this as I thought about last the, the Wednesday night devotional this past Wednesday. Uh, and I'll say, don't aim too high thinking that you are going to get rid of all anger completely in a moment, all at once, or get rid of it completely. Thinking in terms of absolutes, I am going to never sin again in regard to anger. I'm going to put it all behind me. That way of thinking will overwhelm and discourage you because, sadly, you will sin again in your anger, just as I will. So I would urge you, I would exhort you, just deal with each temptation as it arises. Seek him for the grace to overcome in the big and the small issues with anger as you face it in the moment. Let me give you a little perspective in that regard. Each time you resist ungodly anger, you're getting just a small taste of the glory of heaven. You will experience the joy of being like Christ in that moment when you say no to that ungodly anger and love um, that person with whom you are in conflict or trust God in that situation that might be uh, causing your, your blood to begin to boil. In that moment, you're, bec- you're experiencing the joy of being like Jesus Christ. In that moment, you will get a preview of your eternal future where you will live in heaven with the absence of anger and only loving relationships with everyone forever as we pray together. Lord Jesus, make us more like you. You have told us that the world will know you or know us, um, that we are yours by our love for our neighbor, by our love one for another. Lord, kill the anger in us, but we know that in your process of sanctification, which is wise, you kill it moment by moment, temptation by temptation, day by day, week by week, year by year, decade by decade. And so, Lord, help us to attack the anger, but do so by loving you and spending time with you and seeking you for the help that you promised to give us to make us more like Jesus. We ask in his name. Amen.